I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm Renee Swanson, your host, and we have an incredibly special treat for you guys today. We are live in Kentucky, uh, U.S., and we are holding the first ever Covert Narcissism Group Retreat. Welcome, everybody. Thank you. (laughs) So we have uh, 10 ladies here that this is our first, like I said, first ever retreat. These women range in ages from their 40s and 50s. Uh, The length of their marriage is anywhere from 10 years to about 36 years. We've got anything from no children to nine children. Uh, We've got kids that range from ages five to 30 uh, that are just the the mothers here representing that family. We're from all over the U.S., uh, California, New York, Georgia, Texas, Illinois, Tennessee. I don't know what else I've missed, but Utah. um, Utah. So we've got everything covered here uh, in regards to the U.S., although we are not limited to the U.S. Our reach does go internationally. We have um, filed for separation all the way through somebody who is six years out. So we have a good representation here of all the different places people are on this journey uh, dealing with a covert narcissist in their life. So ladies, thank you so much for being a part of this. Thank you. Thank Thank you. So to get started, we are going to start with a very simple question that says, what do you want to say to someone who is just learning about covert narcissism, maybe for the first time ever, and just now starting to get their eyes open to what's going on in their life. Who would like to get us started? I want to say that you are never too old to change your life for the better. And it doesn't matter how long you've been married, it doesn't matter your age, you deserve to have some happiness and you can make that happen. Very, very true. Very true. Who else? What would you say to someone just getting their eyes open today? Um, You're probably going to be really overwhelmed and think you're going crazy. But one of the things that we found out this weekend, too, is that not anybody here really told anybody else, a sister, a girlfriend, or anything. We kept it inside. And so um, I vaguely remember going to lunches with girlfriends saying, like, no, you don't have the urge to record your husband either, or, nope, okay, that's cool, yes, and figuring out what was going on in my own house, but it can be really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just say um, to give yourself some grace and take it one step at a time. It is very overwhelming, and you're going to continue to learn more and more um, as you go through the process and give yourself the space um, to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm imagining that whoever is listening to this podcast is listening to the podcast because that person is in a degree of pain. 
And what I would like to say to that person is at this moment, you can't even fully realize the person that you have the potential to become. And it is a journey and you will get there. Thank you. Thank you. Very true. I would say something that I learned from you, and that is if you are questioning yourself and questioning your significant other saying, hey, I don't even know if, if my you know spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend is a covert narcissist. You have said, does it really matter? You're in pain, you're seeking answers, and you can find a lot of them here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. Mm-hmm. Abuse, I think one of you said actually in the session we had this morning, abuse comes in so many different forms, but it's still abuse. So, very true. Uh, one thing that I would say is, I was going to correct, um, when you're just starting out, it just feels so overwhelming and daunting, and you're just overwhelmed with information and just... It does it relate to your life and is this me and is this really my reality and then as you start on the journey it is hard it is hella hard to get away from it um but being part way through that journey I can say I always heard you know you have to pick your heart and mm-hmm. it is you got to understand it's hard but going through the hard the hard that I'm in now is so much easier than the hard of when I was in it. Mm-hmm. And so you definitely have to, I mean, get ready for some hard and pick your heart. But mm-hmm. the hard that I'm enduring now is a lot better of a hard than mm-hmm. when I was in it. It's so worth it. And it goes back to what you were saying about, say that again, about the potential the potential. You don't realize at this point the potential even of who you can become. And that person is there. That person is absolutely there. And something else we talked about this morning right along with that is the other piece of advice, find one trusted friend at least to talk with. I look at how much this group has meant to me this weekend and how much they've meant to me along the journey because some of these women this is not the first time we're meeting together Mm -hmm. and to have a group of people or at least one person that you can talk with is going to help you in this journey forward take the steps become the person that is in there that you have the potential to become a hundred percent okay thank you thank you and what is one covert narcissistic manipulation tactic that you have truly lived, that these people listening to this are still trying to figure out, am I living that or am I not? So I want you to share one of those tactics with us today. I have one. Mine was projection. Um, He would tell me, oh, oh, you're interrupting me. You interrupt me all the time. Oh, you're a liar. Oh, you just cry to manipulate my emotions and stuff. And it wasn't until I started to record our conversations and then go back and listen to them that I realized everything that he projected onto me was just stuff that he was doing. It was maybe like 2% of the time did I actually do it. But Mm -hmm. going back and listening to it was so eye-opening as to what kind of a tactic it was. Mm -hmm. Mine was a silent treatment. Uh, Mm -hmm. He worked out of town, would come home on Friday, and I have two children, would not speak to any of us in the house, 
walk out on Monday and then call me from his trip and act like everything was okay. Um, he had already made his mind up before he walked in the door on Friday that he was going to do this. It took me a long time to figure it out, but I did figure it out mm-hmm. through your podcast research. I did figure it out and learned to use that time to mind manage. Mm-hmm. But it was very painful. And until I figured it out, I tried to beg and plead, what's wrong? What's wrong? What did I do? I didn't do anything. He had already made up his mind. And it had nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with you. That's key. <clears throat> mine is intermittent reinforcement, where there was no happy medium in our relationship. It was extremes. It was always extremes. We were either up or we were down. When it was good, it was good. When it was bad, it was bad. And it was more of a transactional relationship that was performance-based. So you always felt like you had to be on your game. You always had to be performing in order to be accepted. Mm -hmm. It was never enough. Um, My spouse was never satisfied. So I, I could not keep up. And the bar was always raising. But then... You get just enough of the breadcrumbs that Renee's mentioned in her podcast. Oh, okay, so this is good, and it keeps you going until the performance doesn't add up and the performance doesn't meet up, and then it's bad again. And it's just a continuous cycle and roller coaster. Mm -hmm. As was just said, extremes. Mine's extreme too, but it's a different technique. It was pathological lying. And I've known for years that lies were happening and I could never prove them. There was always like this enough of the truth in there. I even had sayings for it. Like I would say piecemeal, like you're giving me just this piecemeal part of the truth. And there were lies interwoven, but it was nothing, nothing I could ever prove until one day I was able to prove some of them. And since then I have come up with, as I sat at the computer, typing lie after lie after lie after lie that I had discovered and I looked at the end of the document which I'm sure is still not complete and I am now at 17 pages of lies and they range from tiny and innocuous to extraordinarily serious and it was definitely a hallmark of that relationship Mm -hmm. okay for me it was playing the victim role Mm. So he constantly kept me wanting to help him because he was sad, he was depressed, he struggled with PTSD, he, he had a bad childhood. Like it, it was constantly a reason that he was down that I needed to find a way to pick him up. But I could never pick him up. It was, it, he just used that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, mine is lying as well. Um, but also with gaslighting mm. in there, um, because it was lying to kind of create a different reality than what I thought to be true, what I knew to be true. But it was lying and gaslighting so that I wouldn't really see what was going on. But in the end, it made me gaslight myself because mm-hmm. I doubted my own truth. I still resonate with that. Mm-hmm. Well said. Mm-hmm. I would say um, I had a lot of gaslighting as well, um, but I think probably the most harmful um, was projection because, you know, he would call me selfish. He would he would call me a narcissist. Um, he would um, do say these things when in reality it was 
the his own traits that he was projecting onto me. And, and because I am self-reflective, then it, it would cause me to question my own character. And I would think, oh my gosh, am I selfish? Am I being selfish? Am I being a terrible wife? Am I doing this? Um, I was just constantly questioning and, and, and creating a lot of self-doubt, which laid the foundation for later never trusting myself, never trusting my feelings, never trusting what I knew to be true. And, um, and that, that was very harmful to me. Mm-hmm. You said that, that you got accused of being the narcissist. So let me ask this group, does anyone relate to that? Have any of you been accused of being the narcissist? And I've got eight of the 11 hands that go up here. So yes, it's, it's extremely common for that to be the case, that, that form of projection. Yes. And I was going to say, I, uh, the way it came out for me was... Also, it was very passive aggressive and underhanded. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. it came out mm-hmm. through him saying, "You know, oh, I went to a therapist and told her about our situation, and she said to me, oh, it sounds like you're married to a narcissist.'" And she's, he said, "I defended you." He's like, "I told her I wasn't coming back again. That she didn't know you," and so it was just a very like backhanded way to say I'm calling you the narcissist but I'm going to sugarcoat it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. any other traits we want to add here I'll go with the, the definitely the gaslighting and circular conversation of he could always say that we were talking and we were communicating for two three hour conversations that would go absolutely nowhere and um, being accused of all sorts of things and when I would be asked for examples I could never get an example and desperately wanting to change and improve but not having anything to go by okay. wicked conversations mm-hmm. I'm gonna say um, for me one that was really big for me because it, it hit me in the core it was criticism mm-hmm. it was constant it was I felt like I could never do anything right mm-hmm. um, he minimized my accomplishments mm-hmm. You know, making me feel insignificant. It didn't matter whether that was professionally, like if I had just gotten a new job or got a promotion or mm-hmm. something I had done, you know, in my personal life, you know, within community service or whatnot, or choice of friends. Like it was just, there was always a critique. There was always a way I could have done it better. Um, it just, it was never, you could never do enough. Mm-hmm. And I want to address the circular conversations because um, this was, I would have to say, 99.9% of our conversations, I would call him out on some of his behavior, and that's how the conversation started. By the end of the conversation, it had turned to what I had done, and oh, yeah. it was about my mm-hmm. behavior. Mm-hmm. And so we never addressed his behavior because he turned it all around, and I don't even know how that happened, you know? <laughs> it leaves you in a complete state of confusion. It does. Yes. Or you, yes. you ask With him a question, spinning. if you ask him a question, they would turn it around with a question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One, one more, and then we'll move all on. All right, I want to just build on the hypercriticism, and I think it's one of the reasons I stayed for as long as I did. What happens when you're criticized for everything and it's never enough 
you feel lesser than and lesser than and you your soul gets crushed and you see yourself getting smaller and smaller that leads us perfectly to the next question which is what kept you from leaving sooner why I'll go the main reason was for my family it was to keep my family whole you know we have done such a good job all of these years of our marriage to protect our children to protect this image to live behind this facade because you always have hope that it's going to get better for one because especially when you are doused with all these uh, tactics it's crazy making in the process and you're so full of self-doubt that you you don't know up from down mm-hmm. and so you try to share feelings that backfires you don't know how to feel to begin with and I'm a fixer by nature so I wanted to fix the problems I needed to fix me I needed to fix the marriage anything else presented as a failure so in that I I genuinely believe that curses are being broken, generational curses, because for me, I was not taught how to feel. And again, if we did try to feel something, then we had backlash because of it. They turned it back around on us. We ended up apologizing for, you know, their problems. And so I want to teach my kids now differently. I want to break those generational curses to where hopefully my son will learn how to be a better person and a better husband and a better father because of it. I want my daughter to realize she has a choice. And through all of this, we're going to be different. We're going to be different on the other side. We're going to learn how to communicate. We're going to learn how to feel and to share our feelings in a safe place. We're going to be better. We're going to be different. Mm -hmm. And there was a quote that somebody shared this morning that said, pain travels through families until someone is ready to feel it. Yes. And that's what I hear you saying. Absolutely. You said that, that in your family, it was we we fix, we don't feel. Absolutely. And how many of us can relate to that? Mm-hmm. And and this can't stop until people are willing to start feeling. People are, are given the the tools to do that, or given the the environment that allows for that, the support that allows us to start feeling our feelings again. And I think every one of us in this room can contest. This is not. This is not the life we would have chosen for ourselves. Mm -hmm. This is not the decision we would have ultimately wanted for our families. Mm -hmm. So in that, I'm determined to bring good out of this on the other side. Good. This is not going to be for nothing. Good. And I think you're not alone. Anyone else share that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. What kept me the longest was fear. Fear that I, I couldn't change things. Fear I couldn't, I had nothing better in the future. Powerlessness, feeling I had no control, feeling um, that there was nothing better. And that was all wrong. And, And I realized that I can move forward even being afraid. That you nod at the fear on the way by. Um, something that kept me so kept me stuck for so long was, I mean, I was a stay-at-home mom, and so there was financial abuse, and like, how the heck am I ever gonna 
provide for myself. I had that. I had, you know, just the stigma built around divorce and how horrible it is and all my kids are going to be in a broken home and blah, blah, blah. But also, I was pretty gaslit into my relationship by religious leaders Mm -hmm. and people in healthy relationships that just pray for change, marriages are eternal, and you're not getting hit. How can it be that bad? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I had a therapist that was like, just because he's not Jack the Ripper doesn't mean that he's not abusive. And that changed everything for me because people that are in healthy relationships don't realize that it doesn't have to leave a mark in order Mm -hmm. to be abuse. Mm -hmm. And that kept me probably stuck the longest. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Um, For me, um, I did leave sooner. But the problem is when I did leave, I I was in my uh, relationship for eight years and I was so miserable but I, I didn't know why. I couldn't put names to it. I didn't have those tools. And so I divorced him and was then hoovered back in um, by promises of change. And, um, and I really didn't know what I didn't know. And I, I remarried him. And, um, you know, here we are. The, the first few years were, were better. Um, but ultimately he just relaxed into the narcissist that he is. And, um, and when I started seeking help again, I, you know, found this podcast, I, um, started, uh, getting therapy, um, and I started being able to identify tools that were, that helped me understand that he's not ever going to change mm-hmm. that no amount of me trying to fix him no amount of therapy for me no mm-hmm. amount of therapy really for him um, because he just would manipulate the therapist and there there that that it was as renee has called it radical acceptance mm-hmm. of this is not going to change mm-hmm. and once i accepted that and said i'm not responsible for it anymore then i divorced him again for the second and final yeah and that leads us into our last question which is what is one healing tactic that you have really connected with that has really helped you on this journey so I'm going to say for me because it was what was my turning point an eye-opening moment because of this technique but journaling like so journaling for me um, helped me see the pattern that was happening, it helped me see my truth, Um, it helped me see my strength, right? And it also kept me from distorting my past, right? And it was, and and I'll give the example here, Um, I found as I was looking back in my journaling that I had written a letter to him that I never actually gave to him in 2017. And it was almost an exact mirror of a letter that I had just written, you know, several months before. And I knew then, right, that I needed to face reality, that nothing had changed, right, and nothing was going to change, you know, to your point, you know, I couldn't fix it, it wasn't my responsibility to fix it, and that I deserved happiness, Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it, if I hadn't done journaling, if I had not been journaling that, it would have been so easy for me to distort the past 
and to put it all under a rug and say, well, this is the reason that happened. This is the reason this happened. But it, it really brought me to that point where I could make the right decisions. Mm -hmm. The technique that I was going to suggest was actually journaling as well for the exact reasons that you stated. And it's wild. I had almost the exact same experience where I went back in a journal and I was saying the same thing like six years ago that I was saying at this moment in time. It's like, oh my gosh, I would never have remembered that. I cannot stress the importance of journaling enough. Concurrent with that, the greatest healing technique is reconnecting, taking the time to reconnect with your intuition. When someone is gaslighting you, lying to you, when you're walking on eggshells, you divorce yourself from that intuition. It creates this cognitive dissonance. What I did is probably way out there for a lot of people, and I will say it helps, so I'm gonna share it right here. Do it. I took a course by a woman named Samantha Faye called Be Your Own Psychic. I'm not saying I'm a psychic, I am saying it helped me reconnect with my intuition and once I reconnected with that intuition, I became stronger and I became more of myself. And actually I started to see synchronicities and miracles every single day that before I had been blind to. Yeah. Along with that, I was uh, thinking that what helped me the most was getting back to me, to the things that I enjoy to the things that make me feel strong, to the things that I connect with. Instead of focusing on the negativity and on focusing what he had done and staying in the victim mentality that I had been in was to start taking steps to healing me. You know, it was reading books. It was working out. It was doing the things that I love and have a passion for. Mm -hmm. I had a, just a couple of quick things. Um, I have a couple of close friends that have been there with me through thick and thin. I mean, they listen, they get it, and they truly listen, and they will hit me with the hard questions, and they're honest and real. Mm -hmm. And that's very helpful to find those small, you know, that small group of friends. Um, your podcasts have been phenomenal, um, and I kickbox. It's a stress reliever for me, mm -hmm. and it's been fantastic. And I've had a wonderful therapist who has really helped me. I had to realize that everybody's journey is different and I had to make the journey that was right for me because I think I felt stuck because I couldn't do the journey the same way other people were doing it. But then I realized, okay, but this way is the right for me and little steps were right for me. It has to feel good to you for you to be able to move forward. Mm -hmm. And everybody's is different. Which goes back to trust in your gut. That's yeah. the foundation of our healing, mm -hmm. is trust in your gut. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. Um, I'll go with the, the, the group courses like, like this. I mean, you, you're at a point where you're so alone and you, you must be the only person on earth that is going through this. And then you find that there's others. And um, you're, you are definitely not alone. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people who are very manipulative out there and take advantage of other individuals that was completely unknown to me. Mm -hmm. um, a hard one for me was I had to allow myself to receive and a, a, big, a small way that started that was really big was just when people paid me a compliment I wouldn't 
respond because normally I would just dismiss it like oh you're really pretty or I like your hair and it's like oh thanks it's really dirty or you know whatever like I'd always dismiss it and so I would just stop myself and just receive it and it was a small thing that just kind of started down a path that started me down a path of like awareness towards like I am worthy of love I, I am worthy of like yeah just love and what people would show me whether it was like support with our groups and with friendships or meals or watching kids just anything but that just that small tweak of allowing myself to receive love mm -hmm. helps me realize I was worthy of love mm -hmm. and how starved I was from mm -hmm. being a narcissistic absolutely starved <laughs> absolutely yeah. starved yeah Beautiful. any Beautiful. other healing tactics pets Pets. Pets. Oh, yes. Yes. Definitely. Yes. Yes. Unconditional love that I received from my pet was so healing because I realized I hadn't had that mm -hmm. in so long. And that was amazing. Mm -hmm. And read. Read everything you can get your hands on. Mm -hmm. yes. Read. Listen awareness. to podcasts like this one. Create awareness. Find friends. Find your tribe. Mm -hmm. yes. You're not alone. Yeah, and I think and finding information helps you. Truly, and prayer. For me, prayer was a big thing of just asking for resources and asking, um, you know, for my eyes to be open, to be discerning, and, and that's what got me to where I am now, for sure. Okay, okay. Ladies, thank you so much. I thank you for being a part of this. We are, I mean, we're live at the retreat right now. <laughs> those of you who are you. listening, and thank you so much. And those of you who are out there listening to this, I do have more group coaching sessions coming. Um, there's one actually starting this coming week that has like two spots left in it. So please reach out to me. I beg you, uh, if you are in need of this kind of support and this kind of help, these are a community that we are building where we're wrapping our arms around each other to hold each other up. You are not alone you are not crazy and and i just beg you to to reach out and find the help and the support that you are so desperately in need of so thank you so much for listening today i wish you so much peace on this journey of healing <laughs>